Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory, uh, Lord. Y'all may be seated this morning. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Well, welcome to Disciples House, uh, where the Word and Spirit come together to reveal the power of God. Glory to God. And speaking of uh, the power of God being revealed and overcoming, I just got a text. I just got a testimony that uh, Laura Sevilla, you know, we've been praying for her for breast cancer. She is officially in remission and is cancer-free. God is the healer and the redeemer. The healer and the redeemer. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Woo! We thank you, Jesus. Uh, with that, uh, we just got a report that her dad, Bruce, is in a fight of cancer himself. So we're going to lift Bruce up, uh, and we'll put him on our prayer list and uh, keep him in prayer. And, uh, oops, I boo-booed on the bulletin. The bottom line got cut off. It's all right. I'll, I can tell you what it says. Uh, but praise the Lord. Uh, we'll lift him up. But, uh, you know, God answers the prayers of his people when you pray in line with the word. If your prayers are not being answered, it's because you're not praying in line with the word or you're not praying in faith. One of those two things. Uh, this morning is Vision Sunday. We're going to talk about the vision of the church, uh, what, uh, what, what it means to have a vision, the purpose of the vision, and um, what our assignment from heaven is. Um, the calendar's a little light because we just got done doing a bunch of different things. Uh, however, um, here in a couple of weeks, August 22nd through the 24th, uh, we'll be at, we'll be up in Pigeon Forge. We normally go to Gatlinburg. We've moved Brother Randy's uh, changed facilities. It's now in Pigeon Forge, and it's a nice facility. It's really nice. Um, and uh, so we're going to be there for his Contending Faith Bible Conference. I know several of you are planning on coming at least for some of the services. That Wednesday night will not have service because so many people will be in Gatlinburg, or in Pigeon Forge, I should say. Uh, so that Wednesday night, the 23rd, we will not have service. And then uh, we'll be back in here um, a month from yesterday on September 2nd to pray for the nation at 8 a.m. Uh, we accomplished much and this past Saturday. Um, and uh, we accomplished much in the spirit. We covered the White House, all of the judicial seats, the Congress and Senate seats, and the blood of Jesus. We commanded Satan to release it and let it go, uh, and um, we know that God's working. And then, of course, uh, in July of next year, we've got Generation Life Youth Camp. We always promote that all year long uh, because it impacts the lives of the next generation. Um, and this is not a camp for, this is not, you know, a lot of your Christian summer camps are salvation camps. That's not what this camp is. This camp is a Holy Ghost camp. Uh, where we, uh, we set the atmosphere for the teenagers to be set apart for an entire week. They have no phones, no TVs, no radios. It's just them and God. And uh, they get to hear from heaven. A lot of uh, bondages get broken. Many of them get set free uh, from suicide. We have one young lady that was a worker this year, uh, and, and she was thrilled to announce to me that uh, because of that camp, she is five years suicide free. She was redeemed five years prior from thoughts of suicide. Um, she actually had, if I remember correctly, she actually had things planned out. And uh, she's been set free, and so we thank God for that. Um, a lot of youth uh, hear from heaven about their assignments for life. 
So it's just a very vital camp, and so we promote that. Pastor Mike and I have been involved in that camp uh, since 2003, so 20 years, or 21 years actually, um, and uh, it's, it's just amazing what God does in that camp. Um, we do have more events being planned. If there's any events or anything that y'all would like to do, uh, either as a church, men's group, ladies' group, whatever, uh, come talk to Pastor Mike and I. Um, he'll be home Wednesday. He'll be home Wednesday. I don't know the flight time yet, but he is flying home on Wednesday. Uh, he's out, as you guys know, fighting fire. Pray for him. Uh, he texted me about 1.30 in the morning last night, and uh, he said, Honey, I'm sorry. I'm just now getting off work. Of course, it's three hours earlier there. He said, I'm just now getting off work. It's been a rough day. Uh, he's on a Type 3 fire, type three team, and the fire has blown up, and they're bringing in a Type 1 team. So they are they're under it right now. Uh, so pray for them. And then and some of our other local firefighters, I got word this week that they are also headed out to other fires in other states. So fire season is ramping up, so be in prayer over that, even though we have rain today. <laughs> um, but we do have events coming up. Uh, we definitely were working on making a day for the lake. You know, we all get out there on the lake and enjoy the lake in this nice warm weather. We don't want to, you know, we didn't want to be out there in 90 plus degree heat, but it's starting to cool off a little bit. So uh, that now looks like a good time to be out on the lake. Uh, we'll get the ladies shopping trip date set. And then the line that got cut off is we're actually even in the process of figuring out and scheduling a trip to the Creation Museum. Uh, so, and the Ark and what have you. Uh, so we're in the process of planning that. So if you're interested in that, uh, let me know so that we'll know about how many people are interested and what we need to do for that, because I know uh, several of us have mentioned it. Um, and then there's information about where to find us online. The bulletins are a great tool to hand out to people. Um, God's assignment, I kind of summarized it in four sentences or three sentences, but we're going to talk about that during the sermon. So meditation for the week, you guys know every week we give you an in him. We give you a scripture that talks about who you are and what you have in Christ. Uh, this week's is a little different. Um, and then uh, we give you this every week. We put a confession with it to show you how easy it is to put the word, in, how to personalize the word. Um, we encourage you to take your bulletins, place them in, in places where you're going to see them all week long. Because we are commanded to keep the word of God before our eyes and in our mouth at all times. So this is just a tool for your benefit. We do it for the in him scriptures and we do it for healing. Listen, don't wait to study on healing until you need it. <laughs> get, get your faith built up on healing before you need it. And then, um, so let's do these together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 says, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Glory to God. How much do you know? Absolutely everything. Even when you're up against the wall, in the moment, listen, we don't thank God for sickness. We don't thank God for disease. We don't thank God for poverty because none of that is, for, is from him. We don't thank God for personal challenges and emotional upheavals because that stuff is of Satan. What we thank God for is the opportunity to use our faith. We thank God that he's already provided the way out. We thank God that we already have the victory, even in the midst of the storm. So let's confess this. Because I am in Christ, I will give thanks in everything. For it is the will of God. 
Praise God. And then uh, healing, uh, Proverbs 16:24. This is one of my favorite ones. It helps to keep me balanced and, and in a positive frame of mind. It says, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Isn't that good? So let's confess it this way. God's pleasant words in my mouth are as sweet as a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and health to my bones. Isn't that wonderful? God's so good. And then, of course, you know, tonight we've got healing school. Uh, tomorrow, I mean, Wednesday, uh, we're going to, we've got, um, uh, we're in the book of Revelations. We've made it to chapter 18. This is when we start to really see the victory of God because uh, the last three weeks, it's been rough. <laughs> I always try to end a service on a good note, and Wednesday nights have not been ending on good notes. Listen, you do not want to be here. You do not want to be here for the tribulation. You want to be raptured. Trust me. It is not good, and you do not want to go into the pit of hell and uh, the, and the grave. You do not want that. It is not a pleasant experience. So we're going to pray. Then on the back, and, and then, of course, we've got our church confession. All of these are what God, listen, these are our in hymns. This is what God says about us. When we make these confessions, uh, we're not making stuff up. This is what God says about who we are. This is who God says we are. This is who God created us to be. And so this is not something that we should declare sad. We shouldn't be like, okay. We shouldn't be like, well, I don't believe it. No. We should look at this and go, wow, God, that's who I am. When you look at me, that's what you see. That's amazing. And so we're going to confess that with some enthusiasm and some excitement um, because it is the truth. You know, the world may tell us we're a nobody. The world may tell us that we're just no good. The world may tell us that we're stupid, dumb, ignorant, lazy, whatever. But that is not what God sees. And, you know, the world may tell us we're nothing but sinners. No, when you come into Christ, you stop being a sinner and you start being a saint. Um, and it's a progressive work. Thank you, Jesus. So let's pray. And then Derek's going to lead us in our confession with great enthusiasm. Now listen. Y'all have been doing real good on it. You've been getting enthusiastic about it. You do real good till about halfway through, and then you lose momentum. I know the last half is the harder half to truly believe. It's harder to believe that you've been predestined for adoption. It's harder to believe that you are a conqueror, that you're more than a conqueror. It's harder to believe that you're an overcomer and that you're greater. It's harder to believe for the gentlemen that they're, king, that they're kings and that us ladies are queens in this life. But they're just as true as the things above. They're just as true. So stay enthusiastic through the whole thing. Speak from your spirit, not from your stupid thinking heads. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we love you and we honor you and we exalt you. And Father, it's an honor and it's a privilege to be in this house today. Father, we're so thankful that we have the freedom to be in the house. And Father, for those that are online, it's a, free, it's a joy for them to join us online. Some are close enough that they could come into the house, but most are far away. Many are even in foreign countries. And so, Father, we speak to them today also. 
And Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for, their love, for your love towards them and for your mercy. We thank you that we have the freedom to just love you and honor you and to be taught and to be corrected by you. Oh, Father, we're so thankful. And Father, though we do come to church to be fed, more importantly, we come to worship, to honor, and to minister to you. And so, Father, hear our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. And, Father, as the rain pours down upon the earth in this area, may your spirit, may, your, may the rain of your spirit rain upon the inside of our, inside of our spirits. For you, you, for you use rain, the, the imagery of rain, to describe the cleansing power of the blood and the flow of the Holy Ghost. And so, Father, we thank you. For, we thank you for what was accomplished in the former reign. But, Father, we thank you that we are vessels meet for the Master's use, able to be containers to receive the reign of the latter reign. And, Father, we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. And, Father, we ask that you have your way in this service. In Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Brother Derek. Good morning, Disciples House. Let's stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Amen.
Thank you for the blood. Thank, Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank glory, you for being our glory, example. glory, Thank glory you. be your name. Because we come and we praise you, we worship you, we give you all honor, all honor, glory, glory to you.
vow to live for you as you said go into all the world and do greater things than I have done with with the help of the Holy Spirit we thank you Lord for showing us the way and we vow to live for you glory 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 and we just say thank you thank you thank you
Father, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. And we magnify you. Father, we bless you with all spiritual blessings. Father, we bless you with all might, power, dominion, authority. Father, we just give you honor and glory. Father, we surrender all that we are and all that we have to you. Father, not our plan, not our purpose, and not our pursuit. But, Father, we pursue you. We pursue your plan. We pursue your purpose. We pursue your design, Father God. And, Father, we give you glory and we give you honor. And we thank you for it. Oh, Hanande Father, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness, and your love, and your mercy. Father, we thank you for all that you're going to say and all that you're going to do in this service. Father, we surrender to you. Lord, we ask for the angelic assistance this morning. Father, I need that help this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for what you have already done in this ministry and in this house. We thank you for those that you have healed and set free. We thank you for those that you are continuing your healing work and your freedom. We thank, you for the, we thank you for those that you have set free from the oppression of Satan and the power of Satan. Father, we thank you that when you set a man free, you set him free indeed. It's a complete work as far as that person will allow it to be. For, Father, it's your will and your plan that no, that no child be under the influence and the power of Satan. And Father, we thank you that you give us your authority, your power, your might, your dominion to cast out those demons, to evict them from our, from our, from our lives, from our thoughts, from our actions. Father, we thank you that it's not that we don't have to live and struggle with demons all the days of our life. Father, we thank you that we don't have to live in sickness all the days of our life. That though the doctor may give us a report and say there's nothing we can do, but, but just soften the symptoms. Father, we thank you that we know that great physician, the Lord Jesus, who took every sickness and every disease and carried the penalty of sin on his mortal body for our benefit. He carried every sickness. He carried every disease. He carried all of the weight of the, of the works of Satan so that we could walk free. And, Father, we thank you for that freedom. And, Father, now we set our hearts and we endeavor to do our part to walk out that freedom in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Turn around, greet somebody. Make sure you get back there to Brother Richard for sure. For sure. Make your way back there to him. Make your way back there to him. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. No, you're good. Come on, get what you need. Thank you. I don't know. It's a mystery. Blessed in the blood. Blessed in the blood. <laughs> Glory to God. It's good when you know that the blood of Jesus covers you. Glory to God. Well, uh, this weekend marks the fourth year of Disciples House. Actually, really what it marks is four completed years. And that's hard to believe. Uh, that's hard to believe. I had to sit down and write it out about four times and make sure I was right. <laughs> I did. Uh, and, um, you know, it's been a wonderful it's been a wonderful thing with God. Uh, there's been some hard days. There's been some hard bumps. Uh, there's been some, uh, are you kidding me, Jesus moments? <laughs> there's been a few of those. Uh, there's, there's, you know, he's been growing and expanding all of us. And uh, it's just been a wonderful walk with God. And some might look around this house and go, well, for four years, you know, you're not really growing. Oh, no, we're growing. Oh, no, we're growing. Uh, we've got people out in the world uh, ministering. Uh, praise the Lord. We've got people that have come in, received what they needed, and gone out. Um, and that's fine. Um, you know, they've, they've got, walked where God thought, where they believed God was leading them. Um, and that's fine. Uh, but, but our hearts are for, all, for everybody. Uh, but this morning, we're going to talk about the vision of the church, and part of the vision of the church, see, the name of the church is Disciples House, and uh, it, it, and really, the, the name of the church tells us exactly what the vision is. It's a house full of disciples. That's what it is. It's a house full of disciples, and one thing that is very well known about disciples is that Jesus sends them out. He sends them out. Um, so, you know, um, so this morning, uh, at some point when the Spirit releases me to, uh, we're going to have Brother Richard come up. We're going to lay hands on him, and uh, we're going to release him to go out. He's going to be the first one that we lay hands on to send out. Um, you know, Brother Richard's been with us um, for a while now, and uh, I don't know if many people know this, uh, but he actually did the work of Christ while he was in the Marines. He was actually a chaplain in the Marines. He's well discipled, um, you know, and, uh, and and God's not done with you yet, Brother Richard. He still has a work to do. The devil has tried very hard to uh, cut your work short. Uh, and as Brother Richard proclaimed Friday night, we didn't live stream that service uh, because it was just for the believers in the house. But as, as Brother Richard very boldly proclaimed, uh, God has set him free and healed him of Parkinson's and healed him of, a, of um, a stutter and a loss for words that he had from a stroke. And he's healed and he's whole. And, um, you know, and sometimes somebody might look and say, well, it kind of, I can tell. And no, the healing is there. The healing is there. The body just has to get an agreement. Um, and he's healed and he's whole. And God's uh, going to send him out. But I never spoke of it. I never said a word of it. 
but when he came in the house, the Lord very quickly said to me, he'll be here for a season, but then I'm going to send him out. Uh, and I went, but God. <laughs> and really before I got the, I had the but God in my brain, but not in my mouth. And he said, and I said, but God. And he said, but he'll be back. And I said, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, so he's going out to Houston uh, to be there with Michaela, uh, and uh, and uh, he's got a he's got an assignment from heaven. He has an assignment from heaven. Um, I've, I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks to kind of get us all ready for him to go because uh, we're gonna miss him greatly. We're gonna miss him greatly. He's always he's always early for every service. He's here for every service. Uh, he's faithful. He's full of encouraging words. He comes with a supply of the Spirit, um, and we're going to miss that tremendously. He's a faithful. He's just faithful, uh, and it's because he's faithful that God's going to send him out. It's because he's so faithful that God's going to send him out. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to talk to you about the vision of the church. Um, and uh, so let's start off in Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Some people say Habakkuk. Habakkuk. <laughs> Habakkuk. Uh, chapter two. If you get to Matthew, just back up a few pages. Uh, Habakkuk is kind of mingled up in those very small prophetic books. Um, to get to Amos, come forward. <laughs> uh, but Habakkuk is a very short book. It's only. Just very, very short. Uh, it's um, between, uh, I believe it's between Zephaniah, is that right? Yeah, it's between Zephaniah and Nahum. And it's a very short little little, little chapter. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2. And uh, let's, let's read this here. And uh, it starts off, and Habakkuk was a prophet. Uh, and of the Old Testament. Now, prophets in the Old Testament and prophets in the New Testament are different. Uh, you, under the Old Testament, um, unless you were a prophet or a priest or a king, uh, you did not get to fellowship with God. If you were anything, if you were anything other than one of those three offices, you actually had to go to the prophet, the priest, or the king to actually make a request of God or to hear from God. Um, and so he's an Old Testament prophet, and so he's speaking, on the, so he's speaking as a uh, believer or and as a prophet, and he's speaking um, about the walk of a prophet a little bit here. And he says, and I stand upon my watch. Uh, the job of a prophet is to be a watchman, is to be a watchman. Uh, and uh, as a watchman, hold on, the Lord just brought me a scripture. Hold on. Where is it at, Lord? Hold on. Let me go find this. This happens when you're led by the Holy Ghost. Sometimes the Lord will bring one to you all of a sudden. A scripture to you all of a sudden. You go, oh. Let me get the right verse here. Hold on. Well, it is it is that, but there's another one the Lord just brought to my attention. So hold on. I had not looked at this verse in quite some time.
Let's go to Isaiah 21. Isaiah 21 real quick. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me those two verses. This will help you put um, Habakkuk in, into understanding. Um, Isaiah 21, verse 11. And... Uh, No, I'm sorry, 21 verse 6, 21 6. For thus, saith the, for thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go and set a watchman. Let him declare what he seeth. So a watchman is someone that God says, Go out and set them and, and have them declare what they see. Now I want you to turn over to Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3. And he says this. He says uh, in verse 1, he says, Moreover, he said unto me, Ezekiel is another prophet, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. Uh, what he's talking about is receive into your spirit the word of God. Um, he said, So I opened my mouth, and, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, causest thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels uh, with this roll that I give thee. When I did eat, and <clears throat> when I did eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey uh, for sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go get unto the house of Israel and speak to them my words. Uh, for thou art for thou art not sent to a people of a of a strange speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language. Those whose um, those who cannot who can't understand who can't not understand. Surely I had set thee or sent thee to them; they would have hearkened unto thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hardened and, and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made thee face strong against their face, and their foreheads strong against their foreheads. As an admin, as an admin harder than flint, have I made their forehead fear them not. Neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all the words that I shall speak, all the words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart and hear thine ears. Go and get thee, and <clears throat> go and get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them, Thus saith the Lord God. Rather they will hear, or rather they will forbid. He said, Go talk to the house of Israel. They're very hard-headed. Their, 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 their faces are like flint. 
Their, their hearts are like stone. He said, but no matter what, go to them and talk to them and tell them what I have to say. This is the job of a prophet is to go speak to God's people even when they don't, even when it's likely for them to not hear it. He said, in verse 12, he said, Then the Spirit took me up, and I heard behind me a voice, a great rushing saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord for his place. I heard also the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another, and the noise of the wheels over against them, and the noise of great rushing. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in the heat of the Spirit, in the heat of my Spirit. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to them of captivity at Telebet, that dwell by the river of Chaber. And I sat there, they, and I sat where they sat, and I remained there astonished among them seven days and it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the lord of the word that the that the word of the lord came unto me saying son of man i have made thee a watchman unto the house of israel therefore hear the word of my uh, at my mouth and give them warning for me see he sets them he set the prophets of old as watchmen he set them as a watchman. And what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to declare what God said, whether it was popular with the people or not. And the prophets were, and the Old Testament prophets, were to call out the sins of the people, the sins of God's people, the sins of the Israelites, and could get them back into fellowship with God. That was the job of the prophet. Now I want you to go to Psalms 127. Psalms 127. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading and guiding. Thank you, Lord. Psalms 127 says this. He said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, this is going to be unpopular with some people. And I'm sorry to say it, if it offends your sensibilities, don't take it up with me, take it up with God. Not every church is a God-called church. Not every minister is a God-called minister. Unless they are called to the ministry, to that church, by the hand of God, they, then they are laboring in vain. They're laboring in vain. Many people step into the ministry and they step into offices that though they are called to ministry, they are not called to that office. They're not called to that office. Many people believe this is a common problem uh, in the South. Many people believe because of lack of teaching from the pulpit that there's two offices. There's the office of the evangelist and there's the office of the pastor. Uh, and and if you're not and so if you're called into ministry then you must be then that means you must be a pastor but if all the pulpits are filled then where are you supposed to pastor oh so that automatically means i'm supposed to go start a church no it does not no it does not god calls the churches god sets the churches 
God calls them and God sets them. But I know that I'm called to minister in the church. Well, good. Get in your church, get faithful, be a servant, and let God put you where he wants you. Uh, the other thing is, well, if, I'm, if, there's not a, if there's not a pulpit pastorship for me, then that must mean that I am supposed to go evangelist, and I'm supposed to go declare Christ to, this, to, the, to, the, um, to the sinners. Not everybody is gifted for that. Not everybody is called to that. That takes a very special gifting and a very special calling. I assure you, I am not called to the office of evangelist. Not there. Uh, but I am definitely called to. But, but see, when I was looking for my office, for what God had called me to, I knew on the inside I was called to the church. So, But I waited for God to open the door. And God set me, set my husband and I in youth ministry for 17 years. At the tail end of our 17 years, he actually, and it was actually, that was kind of a hard season because I felt like, okay, God, did I just get demoted? Uh, we kind of, the youth ministry was still there, but it was a very small part of what we did. Uh, we did pastoral aid. Uh, and, you know, and, and a lot of people don't understand that that is actually a ministry. We actually saw that in the book of Acts. You know, we saw where um, over there in the book of Acts where it talks primarily about Stephen, but they actually set seven people into the, into the house of service to deal with the widows. They just talked about Stephen specifically. Uh, there's the office of teacher. Uh, and the teacher's office is largely a misunderstood office. It's one of the least explained offices, in my opinion. Uh, but I think it's actually the office that's most commonly, I think it's the office that is held in, in biggest numbers is the teacher's office. The teacher's office, I believe that you can be a God-called, appointed, uh, anointed teacher of the children's ages. Because the children need to be taught the word on their level, but the children also need to be taught in the sanctuary by their pastors. And you need a children's minister that is sensitive to the spirit to know when their children need to be in main service and when their children need to be in the other service. You also need a children's minister that can take the pulpit while the pastor goes back and does the children's church that day. Uh, so that so that the pastor can connect with the children, you need youth ministers that are that are God called teachers uh, to teach the youth on their level and and deal with all of their craziness and has the time to sit and listen to all of their stories and all of their drama. Listen, I can tell you, we did youth for 17 years. It is a full time job. But it's not done separate from the pastor. It's done directly connected to the pastor. It's one of the closest relationships and ministry you'll ever have. If you have a youth minister and a pastor and those two can't get along, it's going to tear your church apart. If that youth minister cannot submit to that pastor, it's going to tear your ministry to pieces. Uh, you need uh, music ministries, music ministers. Uh, you need ministers that, uh, you need ministers, you know, right now we've got a small congregation. Right now, Pastor Mike and I can deal with our con small congregation. Uh, but even that, there's days that I'm like, uh, can I take a day off? Because, you, you know, most people don't understand, the pastor works 365 days a year. Seven, uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. They never take a day off. Even when we're out of town, we're still going. 
There's times I, yeah, we're on, we're on Brother Randy's road team, but there's times that I'm like, I got to bail out. I got, I, we got church stuff we got to deal with. And he's so gracious. He's like, your church comes first. And Jesus, on the other hand, goes, Brother Randy comes first. And I'm like, it's a balancing act, Jesus. Uh, but, but so you've got the teacher's office, you've got the pastor's office, you've got the evangelist office, uh, but you also have the office of the modern day, the New Testament prophet. Now the New Testament prophet, I don't have to go to the prophet to hear from God. I can hear from God just fine. You don't have to come to the pastor. You can hear from God for yourself. The job of the pastor is to lead you and guide you and teach you and develop you in the things of God. The thing, the, the, the thing about, the, about the pastor is the pastor, we see stuff and we know stuff. Uh, we don't always call you out on your stuff, but we know it. In fact, most of the time when we call you out, we're calling you out from the pulpit and the preaching of the word. You know, I'll get to preaching on a subject, and I'm like, let's, and I just keep hitting it, and I keep hitting it, and I keep hitting it, and I keep hitting it, and God won't let me get off of it. And I'm like, I'm standing up here thinking, which one of you is in that particular sin? Like, my radar is like, like, which one of you? Because God will not let me go. And so which one of you is it? And everybody's sitting there going, I don't know why pastor's talking about this. That's got to be for somebody that's online. Yeah, okay. I liked it when church wasn't online because they didn't have that excuse. It's like, dee, 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 dee. which one is it for you? You know, like, where are we at? Um, and I said all of that because, see, except the Lord build the house. Except the Lord build the house. But the prophet, so modern-day prophet, modern-day prophet, their job is to correct the body of Christ as a whole. Rather, that is, the prophet goes into the individual church and brings correction to that individual church. Or, like when we're in ministers' meetings, uh, brother, or, or the contending faith meetings, which are actually open to everybody. I, I just tend to say ministers' meetings because it's a lot of ministers that attend. But really, anybody can come. Um, and it's wonderful. But, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting because... Brother Randy's just preaching just like normal, but guess what? His radar's up too. Dee, 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 dee. Like, who needs correction where? Like, dee, dee, dee. And uh, he's bringing correction to the people, to the churches, uh, to the body of Christ. Um, it was so funny. Jackie had called me and asked me something about, you know, Brother Randy and his office and how it works and how, you know, how he goes to different churches and what have you. And it just made me, it just really tuned me into the, to the understanding. Uh, it just really turned me into he stands in the prophet's office, and therefore his job is to bring correction. So I was standing out here in the foyer looking at all of our media that we just send out for free, and I was looking at it all, and I was looking for something specific for a friend of mine that was dealing with some stuff. And I was standing there, and I was just scanning the stuff, and, you know, I've got all of his CDs up. And I was scanning, and it just hit me. I was like, Wow. Correction, 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 correction. I mean, things like understanding judgment. Stop disrespecting the servants of God. What is God doing in the earth today? Uh, how to obey God, how to be obedient in your finances. How to forgive. Like, it's all like correction, 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 correction. And I was like, wow. <laughs> like, oh. See, that's the prophet's office. And then the other thing is to talk about what God's doing, in, you know, what, what is God saying, what is God doing in the church today, um, because they hear directly from heaven. They get, they, the, the prophet is very, very apt to spiritual dreams and spiritual visions. Uh, they get caught up in the spirit very, 
and, and, and God exposes things to them more so than the other offices. And it's not because God prefers them more because they're special or anything. That's just necessary for them to operate in their office. Um, and then the other office that we hear very little about is the office of the apostle. The office of the apostle is, is we tend to call it, uh, we tend to say missionary more, um, but not all missionaries, but, and here's what you need to understand, not all missionaries are apostles. Some missionaries are teachers, some missionaries are evangelists, some missionaries uh, are, are, are regular people in the pews that God is using in that moment. Uh, you can be um, a, a congregational person in the body of Christ, and you can, and God can use you in the office of teacher or evangelist from time to time. An excellent example of this is my mom, Miss Ann. She's a, she doesn't stand in a fivefold office. She's not in that gift of teacher all the time, but she does. Her and Linda uh, go into the jail, the detention center over here. About that, they go weekly. They don't always get to go in weekly, but they go weekly. Um, and you know, during the week, they're just studying their word. They're just studying like you should be studying. They're just studying, and then when they go uh, into the jail, they say, "Okay, God, huh, what, what, what would you have me to say?" And God will lay something on their heart, and they'll step into that office for that time, for that season. But that doesn't mean that they are a fivefold gifted, anointed, appointed teacher all the time. An earmark of a teacher all the time is one that teaches all the time. Uh, if you hang around me long, it doesn't take you long to figure out that I am always teaching. Always. My mind is always on the things of God. I am always, always, always teaching. Uh, but, so in Psalms 27, he said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So, so one of the very important things about a church is, did God call this church? Did God ordain this church? Did God set up this ministry? And yes, he did. Well, well that's your word. I mean, anybody can say that. And that's true. Anybody can say that. But... I can show you uh, where God gave me the blueprints over a year of about a year and a half to two years. I can tell you exactly how God told us this was going to come to pass. Um, uh, he, uh, I was driving um, out to Oklahoma. I was going to one of Brother Randy's meetings uh, to be a servant out there. And, um, you know, we were having some struggles in the church that we were in. Uh, and I say that very lightly. Uh, found out later that everybody that had still remained in the church was begging and pleading God to release them. Everybody was like, oh, my God, please, Jesus, just let me go. Uh, and But I was driving to, to Tulsa, and I got just outside of Tulsa, and the Lord began to talk to me and ask me some questions about some things that we had been through over the, over the last uh, 13 or so years. And he was asking me some different questions, and one thing that I've learned is that when the Lord asks you a question, it's far smarter just to say, Thou knowest, Lord, than to try to answer it. Because more than likely, your answer is not the answer that he is looking for. More than likely. So I just said, Well, Lord, you know why. Uh, can you answer that for me? And uh, he began to share some things with me, and then all of a sudden, I 
I heard it just so clearly and plainly, like somebody was sitting in the car with me. It wasn't an audible voice, but to me it was. And he said this. He said, I am getting ready to remove your pastors from office. And when I do, you and your husband will close that ministry, which was heartbreaking to me because that was my mentoring pastor's ministry originally. That was, my, that was, that was the work of my founding pastor. And, and for the Lord to tell me, you're going to close that ministry, was heartbreaking. I was sobbing like a baby. Technically, I was sobbing so bad that I should have pulled over. And he said, you're going to close that ministry. He's when I, I'm, getting, I'm preparing to remove your pastors from office. When I do, you and your husband are going to take the ministry. You're going to close it, and you're going to launch the ministry that I've been giving you a blueprint for. And I went, <laughs> I was really crying then because I absolutely did not want to be a pastor. I knew that the blueprint, I knew exactly what the blueprint was. I knew it was for a church. I just did not want to admit it. I did not want it. I did not. I like, my personal personality is put me behind the scenes. Let me be the little workhorse, the little busy bee behind the scenes that nobody sees and that just makes, makes your life minister uh minister person easier that's where i like that's my preferred flow that's what i like to do and god said no up for it no fun now i'm a detail person so i like details he'd already given me details pastor mike who uh will be home wednesday as i said uh he on the other hand is just literal and direct and the lord just told him you and your wife are going to be pastors. I'm fixing to make the move. That was it. That's all he heard. That's all he needed. He just, and then when the events began to unfold, he looked at me and he said, you do know we're supposed to be the pastors, right? And I'm like, I pulled out my notebook and I said, here you go. And he's like, oh, okay. So uh, the Lord was building this ministry. Um, and, and the Lord had everything set in place ahead of time. But I want you to keep, let's keep reading here. He said, except, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So he said, if the watchman, unless God is in the picture, unless God is the one uh, leading and helping, unless God is the one over the city, over the ministry, over the work that's being done, those that watch over it and protect it, their labor is in vain. Okay. Now, when we move to the New Testament, we don't see anything about watchmen per se. Anything about it. We see that we're told to watch as we see the day of Christ coming, but we don't see anything about this watchman role. Now, let's go back to Habakkuk chapter 2. And let's look at this. Now that you have a little bit of uh, background for this watchman. So here, here this. So he says this in, in in verse one. He says, "I will stand upon my watch, and set me upon the tower." So here Habakkuk says, "I know God. I'm a watchman. It's my job to watch over the city or the church or the people that you have set me on. It's my job to watch over them. It's my char- It's my job." to keep the devil at bay, and to keep the people out of sin, I'm going to watch over them. He said, I know that's my job. He said, I will stand upon my watch 
and set me upon the tower. So he's saying, Lord, he, you know, he said, Lord, I'm a, he said, I, want, I need to be up on the tower. I need to be in the high place where I can see. And I will watch to see what he will say unto me. And I shall answer when I am reproved. Now, that word reproved means corrected or, or given instruction. To, get, to be given instruction or to be corrected. So, so here Habakkuk says, I'm going to get myself in position out above the people, away from the people, and I'm going to see what God, the ruler, the leader, has to say. What does he want me to say to the people? What does he want me to do? What do I need to watch for? Like, what is my part? And he said, and while I'm up there watching, he said, I'm going to see. He said, I'm, he said I will watch to see what he will say unto me. In other words, he's got an ear listening for God. He's listening for God to talk to him. And then he goes on and he says this in chapter 2. It says, and the Lord answered me. So he got himself into position where he could hear from heaven. And he positioned himself to say, God, I'm here as your servant. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm positioned to where I can hear from you. I'm getting whatever you say. I'm listening, and I'm ready to go do it. And the Lord had answered me and said, write the vision. This word vision means instruction. It means, uh, it means an illustration. And it means uh, revelation. In other words, God is going to give the watchman an illustrated instruction that will bring a revelation or a level of understanding to the people. He said, he said write the vision, uh, yet, um, write the vision is yet, that word is, as I tell us, yet for an appointed time. In other words, God said, I'm, what I'm telling you is for a set time. When God speaks to you, not everything he speaks to you means right now. A lot of times we as Christians, we get out in front of God. That is not a good position to be in. Uh, you've heard Pastor Mike talk about when Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Remember, he was over there in Saudi Arabia, and he was, in the, he was attached to the artillery unit, which is the really big guns that shoot the missiles and all of that. And, and he was a mechanic for those big guns. And so uh, as a mechanic on the big guns, you're supposed to be behind the guns, behind them. Uh, in other words, the gun should be between you and the enemy. Uh, but this was when GPS was first created. And as so many things that we enjoy in life, most of those things are tested on our military first. Uh, and so GPS was first created. And, you know, all these, you know, it's so funny. We, you know, everybody's like, oh, Humvee, oh, Hummers, those are like the military. Yeah, yeah. Michael's like, when they first came out, I was like, honey, isn't that be cool? He's like, oh, dear God, no. He said, those are the most uncomfortable torture devices you'll ever ride in in your life. They're horrible. They're horrible. He said, I don't know what they could. He said, I don't even know how they could make them comfortable. Uh, so they're out there in these Hummers and what have you. And in, 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 in that particular war, the GPS units basically took up like the whole front center of the car. They were huge like radars. And uh, so the guy that was in charge of their unit, 
I think he said priorly had been like an accountant or something. I don't know. Just not real good with like actually out there warring. Um, in either case, the commanding officer was like, yeah, yeah, we got this, we got this. And so they're following the GPS in the desert at night. And they're, they're, they're driving through the desert, and this thing is taking, they finally figure out that they're driving in circles. And so they're driving in circles, and finally somebody gets the brilliant idea, let's just stop, stay stationary, wait for the sun to come up, then we'll figure out where we're at, and we'll go from there. Somebody was brilliant. So they stopped, they kind of gathered up all the vehicles, uh, and they, they, huddled, they all huddled in for the night, and they're all in their Humvees and in their big trucks, and you know, and uh, you know, you know those other big. Uh, oh, he'll 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 not be happy with me, but I might get the name wrong. The deuce and halves and things like that. The big the bigger trucks, and so uh, he was in the back of one of those, and several people. You know, he was like towards the cabin, and so he said the way he said it. He said there was a lot of people between me and the rest of the world is the way he said it. And I said, okay, so they all get snuggled in. The military, you learn to sleep when you can sleep. So they were sleep. So they, they took some sleep, and uh, they woke up in the morning, and they, well, I, I'm sorry. So they're, so they're trying to get snuggled in for the night, and all of a sudden the rockets start going off. And they're like, oh, okay, the rockets are going off. Okay, not a big deal. But then they realize that the, the, the guns that they're supposed to be behind, they're actually in front of. And so the rockets are going over their vehicles. And the, mili and, and the enemy's rockets are coming over their vehicles. And this is when they decide, I think it looks like we're in a good middle zone. I think this is a good place to stop is between where the two sets of rockets are landing. And we're just going to hunker down for the night. So that's what they do. So this goes on. These rockets keep going on and off back and forth for a few hours. And then things get quiet and get settled and what have you. And then uh, the sun comes up, and so it's time to get out, get up and get going. And they actually woke up to being surrounded by several thousand Iraqis, surrounded by them, surrounded. Now talk about the mercy and love and compassion of God. Uh, they were all like <laughs> surrendering. They're all going, Saddam, 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 they're surrendering um, because they were starving to death. And they surrendered to our military. Talk about the provision of God, the hand of God. Um, and so, well, why did we get there? Because he's listening, and he's, because here, Habakkuk, is, he's up on the table, and he's watching, and he says, uh, the vision is for an appointed time. And I said that because how much do you know? They were not in their appointed place at the appointed time. The guys were not in their appointed place at appointed time. It's very dangerous, just like it was dangerous for them to get out in front of their guns. It's very dangerous for us to get out in front of God. And so he said, he said, for this vision, he said, is yet for an appointed time, um, but at the end shall it, at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it. In other words, he said. So he said, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do, but I want you to wait until the appropriate time. Remember I said, you know, earlier, you know, God had been giving me the blueprint for a church ministry for like a year and a half, almost two years. But I had to wait for the appointed time. And then when the Lord spoke to me, he spoke to me in, let me think, uh, prayer spring used to be in April. Yes. 
So this was in April, um, and and we didn't actually, things did not start to unravel. Our pastors did not start to remo- be removed from office until uh, the middle of July, and then, boom, here we are in August. See, we had to wait for that time. I could have, Michael and I could have said, oh, God's giving us, uh, giving us a, a blueprint for a ministry, and it's my heart's, it's our heart's desire to go out there in Oklahoma and serve, and so we should just go out to Oklahoma and go ahead and set up a church because God's already showed us what to do. How much do you know we would have been out, we would have been out in front of God, we would have been out from, out in front of His provision, we would have been in the wrong place at the wrong time, and everything would have failed dramatically. So it's very important that not only it's not it's not only important that you get the vision that you hear from heaven, but it's also very important that you understand God's timing and that you wait for His timing. And all of those people that were in that church going, "Oh God, release me! Oh God, release me! Oh God, release me!" God was not releasing them because y'all, all of you that are still here, you were you had a plan and a part in this. For an appointed time, an appointed time, and so sometimes uh, you can be in a hard place, and God's hand will be right on it. You'll be in a hard place, and God's hand will be right on it. He said, "But wait for it, because it shall surely come; it will not tarry." Now, wait a minute. You're telling me to wait, but yet you're telling me it's not going to wait. <laughs> well, what he means on this is, you know, when you know it's the time. You have to step out because it's just as dangerous to be too far behind God as it is to be out in front of God. So you've got to be right in line with God's timing. It's got to be right in God's timing because if you're too far behind God, the provision that's there for you will be gone by the time you get there. And you don't want that either. So he said, he, so, so really what the watchman is supposed to do is the watchman is supposed to wait for that perfect time. And you'll know that time in your spirit. You'll know it's time to move. It's time to go. It's time to move. It's time to go. Um, and so the job of the, the job of the pastor is to, before we go there, let's. Before we go there, I, I, I got to stay right with with the Holy Ghost on this sermon. I can't get out there. I can't, I can't get ahead of him. I just said it's dangerous to get out ahead of him. Let's go to Proverbs twenty nine. Well, what's so important about the vision? Well, I'm so glad you said you asked. Proverbs twenty nine. It's a little bit of a different flow today, but that's okay. Proverbs twenty nine, verse eighteen. In the King James Version, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, we know, um, we teach you guys this all the time, that in your Bible where the words are italicized, those italicized words are there uh, because the translators put it there to help us understand the words, the the language better, uh, because the Greek and the Hebrew uh, don't have prepositions the way we have prepositions. Their prepositions are tagged directly into their words. Um, so when we read it this way, when we read it without the italicized words, sometimes it gives us a better meaning. 
It says, where no vision. In other words, where there's no revelation, where there's no illustrated understanding of God, when there's no instruction, the people perish. And then it, and he goes on, and then there's that colon. That colon says, let me explain a little bit more. And he says, but he that keepeth the law, happy he. Taking that head out, happy he. If you'll keep the law of God. So so many people will say, well, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't quite have the revelation yet, so what do I need to do? If I don't have that revelation, if I don't have the understanding, what do I need to do? Follow the law. Stay with what God has already spoken to your heart. That's why so many people stayed when it was hard was because we had been taught in that ministry, really what we had been taught in the prior ministry, and it was continued over, was once God plants you, you stay planted until God tells you otherwise. So we were like, okay, God, we're planted. Can you please give us the word? <laughs> Can you please? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Um, so, but I love how some of the other translations bring this out. Uh, the DRC reads this verse this way. It says, when prophecy shall fail. Prophecy is, the, is what is spoken by sudden inspiration of the Spirit. So when God speaks to you suddenly, that's prophecy. When the, when the minister speaks by the sudden inspiration of the Spirit, that's prophecy. When you're sitting and you're having fellowship with somebody and all of a sudden you speak by, you speak just all of a sudden by, by uh, the unction of the Spirit, that's prophecy. So, he says, so the DRC says this. It says, when prophecy shall fail, uh, the people shall be scattered abroad. But he that keepeth the law is blessed. In other words, when the instruction of the Lord, when you're not hearing that instruction, when you don't have that instruction from the Lord, the people will be scattered abroad. They're going to pick up all kinds of ideas. They're going to pick up all kinds of things that they think might be God. They're going to make a Jesus of their own making. And it's going to lead them into all kinds of messes. And it says, so if you don't have, if you don't have that instruction from the Lord, then just keep the law and be blessed. The easy English says it this way. Only God can be the leader of a country. Without him, the people will do what they want to do. <laughs> How much do you know? If you have a church that God is not the head of that church, those people are going to do whatever they want to do. They are going to do whatever they want to do. They are going to bring in the coffee shops, the tattoo bars, the smoking houses in the lobby of the church. They're going to bring in the light shows and the, and the funky doos and the fog machines to mimic the glory cloud. They're going to dress like the world dresses to attract the world. And they are going to have a church full of worldly sin. Because they, they're not hearing from God. They're just doing what man wants to do. Well, now you just called out my favorite church. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't say it. The Lord did. EBR says, where there is no vision, the people let loose. Oh, Lord. But he that keepeth instruction, how happy is he? You know, one of the most amazing things that I that, that was that was just amazing to me in dealing with youth for all these years um, is, and Brother Randy, you know, Brother Randy's been part of these camps for years and years and years and years and years. Even when he wasn't ministering, his heart was still with the with the camp and the youth, and 
he was still giving guidance from behind, you know. And, um, and you know, the Lord, he, he talked to the Lord, you know, Lord, I don't know what to tell a bunch of teenagers. He said, Lord, you know what my teenagers' years were like, in case you don't, in case you don't know Brother Randy. Uh, Brother Randy was raised in a good Christian home, but he went buck wild and ended up in prison for over 10 years of his life. Um, and had uh, and 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 had basically uh, had life in prison as a habitual offender and with no chance of parole. However, he is now out. He's been out ministering uh, for. I think they just I think they just celebrated their 40th year of ministry. I think 30th. I don't know. Um, and uh, but for for quite a while. Uh, he has an international ministry, and he has not only is he out of prison, but he has all of his uh, civil rights restored. He's allowed to have arms and has many of them, uh, and he is uh, and he has all of his uh, political rights restored. In other words, he's allowed to vote, and he does vote. Uh, and so, praise the Lord. Um, but as a teenager, he was kind of crazy and kind of wild, and because um, he had around the wrong people. And uh, he said, so he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, he said, I don't know about, you know, what do I need to say to these teenagers? And the Lord said, oh, this is simple. He, the Lord said, all teenagers want to belong. And they want to be wanted and they want to be needed. But you know what's amazing to me? That's what every person wants. Young, young, middle, old, doesn't matter, doesn't matter the age. You want to be wanted and needed and you want to belong. So the purpose of a church is to give you a place to belong, and it's to give you purpose. It's to fulfill that need of wanting to be wanted and needed. So every God-called church has a purpose. Our purpose in our church is a very simple purpose. Very, very simple purpose. And I'm going to explain that in a minute, but let me read a couple more of these just to really give you a good picture. So if you're not part of a local church, if you're not part of part, but here's the deal. It can't just be any local church. It has to be the one that God has placed you in. And it has to be a one that will teach you the full word, not just some word. And it needs to be a church. Oh, I caught it, but I can't just keep it. It cannot be a church that's run by the deacons because that's not biblical. That's not biblical. God didn't call a, a congress of men and women to run his church. He called a pastor, a bishop. Uh, uh, he, he called a, a, a man or a woman to be over that church. When you are in a church that is a church full of deacons. Now, now listen, we have advisors in this church. We do have advisors in our church, and they look, they and and they watch over the congregation, and then they see problems, they bring them to us. And when we need help, we need advice, we need some assistance. We can, Pastor Mike and I can call them, and we can go, "Hey, this is what we're up against. Uh, what do you recommend?" And they'll give their recommendations. And here's the most amazing thing: Do you know that we've only? I mean, we've only. I mean, it's a small church, so we have a small amount of advisors. Um, in fact, when we were setting up the church, I had picked a couple of different people for advisors, and Brother Randy said, stop. And I said, what? He said, you don't want that many. And I said, why? He said, the more you have, the harder it is to get anything done. He said, you can't get, she, and Miss Patty said, it's hard to get two or three people to agree. And then the, the more people you have, the harder it is to get them in agreement. 
Oh, okay. They said, get you three or four or five at the absolute most. But I'm saying three or four. We have four. And I said, okay, praise the Lord. But do you know what's amazing? Is not even they can always agree on exactly how to handle something. I mean, they, they've got godly wisdom. But, you know, here's the deal. One comes at it from a business standpoint. One comes at it from a congregational standpoint. One comes at it from a biblical standpoint. One comes at it from another standpoint. And it helps us get a full picture. It helps us to get a full picture. And then we can go, okay, and then they have to trust us that we're going to take their advice, we're going to pray about it, we're going to seek the Lord, and we're going to make the best decision. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, whatever decision we make, it's on us. It's not on them. It's on us. Pastor Mike and I carry the full weight of the ministry, the full weight. Now, does that mean that Pastor Mike and I lord over the people? Dear Lord, no in heaven. <laughs> if I had it my way, some of y'all would not act and behave the way you act and behave. <laughs> I assure you of that. Uh, however, we just guide and we lead and we direct and we say, okay, come on, let's do this. Come on, let's do this. And if for some reason, now, is there a safety in there for the congregation? Absolutely. If for some reason uh, Pastor Mike and or I should get off, um, those that are our advisors, they all have Brother Randy's personal phone number. They all have the by minutes for the ch- the bylaws for the church, and they know that should things begin to get wonky and out of place, that they can make a phone call and say, uh, "Brother Randy, we need you," and he will come. And he will sit down with us. And if we won't get in line, then he, with our advisors, with the congregation, have the right to make changes that need to be made through the bylaws of the church. Why is it set up that way? Because, it's, because we have a responsibility to protect you, the congregation. Uh, so um, this is why it says... There, you know, so the job of the pastor is to give you a purpose, a plan, a place to belong, uh, so that you don't get lost. The ERV uh, it says, "Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. But he that keepeth the law, um, happy is he." So when you don't know what your plan is, when you don't know what the vision of the church is, when you don't know what the ministry of the church is, that's when your people are all over the place doing all kinds of things. Have you ever seen these churches where they're doing this work over here and they're doing that work over there and they're doing this work over here and they're doing that work over there and, it, and, some, and this work over here contradicts that work over there? Have you ever seen that? That's because the people are not restrained and they're just given freedom to go do whatever they want to do. And it's like... Y'all sure you're from the same church? Like, wait, what? No, no, no. No, no. (laughs) Um, The Geneva translation says, where there is no vision, the people decay. The people decay. Uh, You know, because, again, if you don't feel like you belong, if you don't feel like you're part of something, if you don't feel like you you have a purpose, then you're going to decay. But he that keepeth the law is blessed. Uh, The great translation says, when the word of God is not preached, the people perish. Uh, But but well is him that keepeth the law. So so, so one of the very important things of the vision is that the the word of God is preached. Uh, The God's word translation, without prophetic vision, people run wild. 
We have definitely seen that. Uh, but blessed are those who follow God's teachings. The HNV says, uh, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But one who keeps the Torah is blessed. The ISV says, without prophetic vision, people abandon restraint. Uh, but those who obey the law are happy. Young's literal translation says, without a vision is a people made naked. That's crazy. Uh, and those who keep the law owe his happiness. The reason it says that the people are made nakedness is because when a church doesn't have vision, when the church doesn't have plan, when the church doesn't have purpose, when the, when the church doesn't have a revelation of what it is God wants them to obtain, then the people are going to go into the world and into sin, and their world and their sin is going to be exposed, and the people are going to be made naked. This is what you call the hypocritical church. The hypocritical church uh, um, is, and, and so the reason that we see so many hypocritical churches is largely because uh, the pastors either don't have a vision, a revelation from heaven as to what their heavenly assignment is, or maybe they have that, but they don't know how to relay it and get it over to their people. Maybe they know what God planned in there. Maybe they know what God wants them to achieve, but they don't know how to get it over to the people. Uh, so we are, our vision is very, very simple. Uh, we can sum it up with one, with one, one statement. This is the place where the word and spirit come together to reveal the power of God. To reveal the power of God. God is not powerless. God is not weak. God is not incapable of getting you victory in any area of life. The problem with why the church looks weak and God looks weak is because the people are not in position to, be, to allow the power of God to flow through them. See, Jesus is the head of the church, and as, as individuals, you are all members of the church. But really, let's put it this way, Jesus is the head of the body, and we individually are all the parts of his body. And so we have to be educated in the word, and we have to know how to live out of the spirit so that the word and the spirit can come together so that the power of God can flow out of us and through us. Because if, if, if there's not anybody on the planet that the power of God can flow through us and out us, then God can't do anything on the planet. Because, well, what are you talking about? I thought God was in control of everything. No, he's not. I just kicked a sacred cow really hard. God is not in control of everything. God gave us, his children, all of his authority, dominion, and power. All of it. The only way that Satan is going to be put under your feet is for you to submit yourself to God and to resist the devil and walk in your God-given authority. The only you want to know well, why does good thing why do good things happen to bad people? Because they're not walking in their God-given authority. Because they have not surrendered themselves to God. Listen, you can be you can you can be the best person you can be. But if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have, if you have let, let, me, let me rephrase it this way, because when you say it that way, it sounds like God's the one sending you to hell, and it's not. When you refuse, 
When you refuse to walk in relationship with the one that created you, then you, by your choice, doom yourself to hell. That's, that's the reality of it, is you, your, you yourself choose to put, put yourself in that position. Go to, first, go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, understand that the word preach, and this also causes a lot of people a lot of confusion. Some people will say, some people will, this is very popular, uh, some people will say, well, I'm a preacher. I am not a preacher. In, in terms of my position in the, in the church. In terms of my position in the church, I am a pastor. As a pastor, it's my job to watch over you spiritually. And my job, it is to, is, it, my job is to pray for you. My job is to teach you. My job is to train you. My job is to exercise authority over Satan for you uh, or, or with you. My job is to lead you into the hands of God. That's my job. It's every believer's job to preach the gospel. Every believer is a preacher. Every, do you hear, listen to me. Every preacher... Every preacher, every, every, every child of God, every person that's received Jesus is a preacher. That word preach means that you are a per, the, the word preach means to proclaim the good news of God. Or really it just means to proclaim. To proclaim. A preacher of the gospel means to preach the good news of God. To preach is simply to proclaim. Do you know that Satan has his own preachers? They're called sinners. Listen to me. They're called sinners. They're called sinners. Why? Because they're proclaiming Satan's message. They're proclaiming Satan's kingdom. They're proclaiming Satan's lifestyle. Okay? No, we're preachers. We're people who proclaim Christ. So now let's look at this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. And let's back up to verse 1. It's always good to back up to verse 1. He said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not in excellency of speech or of wisdom. Listen, so many people say, I'm not smart enough. I don't speak well enough to be used by God. What Paul say? I didn't come to you in excellency of speech. In fact, most of the time, in fact, in all, we see it all through the books of Acts that they said, we perceived that these were unlearned and ignorant men. In other words, we, we perceived the people, the sinners that were listening to them said, uh, these are clearly not people of scholarly. These are not scholar students. These are not, these are not your beta club members. These are, these are workforce people, and they are talking some stuff that makes some serious sense. Like, how do they know this? He said, he said, I can come to you in excellency of speech or of wisdom. He said, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Basically, he said, I, when I came to you, when Paul came to you, Paul said this. He said, all I did was I came to you talking to you about what Jesus has done for me. What Jesus has done for me. 
That's what I came to you talking about. He said, he said, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, listen. He said, I came in here, and I didn't want to know anything, because Paul was a traveling minister. He said, I came to your church. He said, I came over here into, into the church of Corinth, and he said, and I didn't want to know anything about any of you, because when I preached and I said things that talked to you specifically, you needed to know and understand it wasn't me. Remember I said earlier, I got my preacher radar on, who's in this sin, who's doing this thing? My people will tell you, I don't want to know their drama, for the most part. For the most part, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to know. I mean, I do know because part of my job as a pastor is to know you well enough that I can tell when Satan's eating your lunch. I do need to know you well enough for that. I do need. Think about. Think about. You know, we've got a lot of cattle out here. We've got some sheep people out here. We got people that raise rabbits and other animals out here. How much do you know when they go out to take care of their livestock? They can look at their livestock and tell when somebody's not, when one of their animals is not walking correctly. They can tell uh, that animal's not as energetic as it usually is. That animal's got a little bit of a, there's a tiny bit of a limp back on that back foot. So that's the job of the pastor. That's the job of the pastor. When the Keatons come, when we have guest ministers come in, when we have guest ministers come in, we never tell them anything about you. And we do it on purpose. Because if they come in and they start talking, if they come in and they start talking about something and they, what we call read your mail, they go, who said what? I used as a, as a, oh my goodness. I used to, as a, as a church member, I used to invite people to church, have my family come to church. Listen, I have family come to church and they'd be having marital drama. And I'd go, and they're like, well, I don't want to go to church and, you know, I don't, you know, I, you know, I, I, you've probably talked to him about me and about my marriage. I said, no, I ain't said a word about the pastor. I said, in fact, our pastor hasn't even taught on marriage in probably six months or more. They'll come into the church. They'll start off their sermon going this way. And all of a sudden, the sermon will go. Psh! And the next thing you know, he's talking about marriage. And you're going, no, no, no. But God knows your situation. And he wants you to know that he knows your situation. And he wants you to know that he has your answer for you. And you're like, oh, I have somebody coming to church. I had a friend of mine come into church. Um, he was a wonderful, I mean, young, wonderful young man of God, knew God, loved God. But he was a little bit on the feminine side. And he had people telling him all the time, well, you're just gay, you're just gay. I said, come on, brother, you know you're not gay. Well, I know it, I'm not. I know that I'm not. I said, come, just come get under the word. Nobody's going to beat up on you. Nobody's going to give you a hard time. Pastor's not even been talking about anything along those lines at all lately. Come on in the door. So he come in the door, and here we go. And the pastor's starting off this way, and all of a sudden he goes this way. And he starts talking about homosexuality is not of God. If you've got that problem, you've got a demon, and you need that demon to be cast out of your life. And, da, da, da. and I'm going, oh, pastor. Here's another one that happens all the time. Well, I know you believe in tongues, but I just don't know about that tongues business. You know, I just, I just don't know about that tongues things. I heard that tongues is of the devil, and I heard that, you know, and then I heard that if you do speak in tongues, there's got to be an interpreter, and I just don't know about that tongues thing. I just don't know about that. 
sure enough, you going to get in there? And the preacher's going to, and pastor's going to be preaching, and pastor's going to be going, and they're going to, all of a sudden, they're going to go, and you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost because you need to speak in other tongues because that's what's going to put you over, and that's what's going to get you through. And when you don't know how to pray, you pray in the Holy Ghost, and you go, oh, come on, pastor. Why? Because that's what you need. That's what you need. That's what you need. And so that's what Paul was talking about here. He said, I don't want to know anything about you because when I want to come in, I want to give you what you need. But look at why he says this. He says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. In other words, Paul said, I come in there. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to preach. I didn't know what to do. I was so afraid. Listen, you can be, it's easy to be afraid of the people, especially when they're looking at you with a scowl on their face, like, who are you? What do you got to say to me? He said he was trembling because he didn't want to, because, because you know what? We're human and we can miss it. But look at verse four. He said, and my speech and my preaching or my proclaiming not with enticing words or man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. That is what this church is about. It's about not preaching with my wisdom. Listen, did, well, did you, did you go, so you went to Bible school, right? Nope. <sighs> I'm sitting in a church. I'm listening to a message online from somebody that didn't go to Bible school. Yes, you are. I went to the school of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost taught me and trained me and everything. Now, does that mean that I didn't have ministers helping me to teach me how to read the Word and study the Word and what to do? No, I had that. And I did put my hours in, but listen, ain't nothing I can come up with that's going to help you because I don't know what's going on in your world. Only He does. So many times people are looking for the spectacular that they miss the supernatural. And, you know, and, and thankfully, we have a wonderful congregation that communicates very well uh, because our congregation will come to me and go, Pastor, that was so helpful. Man, you hit it right on the head. Man, you got it just, man, you got it. And I go, oh, thank God. Because every single time, Miss Ann will tell you, every single time I leave the church, I will look at her or Ann or Michael and I'll go, was that okay? Do you think I got it right? Did I explain it well enough? Why? Because now I'm out of the spirit and I'm thinking about it from a natural standpoint when everything that I said was in the spirit. I have to go back and listen to myself because I don't know what I say half the time. I do. I do. It drives my family crazy. They're like, you know, you preach that, right? And I'm like, no, I didn't preach it. The Holy Ghost preached it. Now I need to listen to the message myself. Thank you very much. Uh, so, <laughs> so but, but here's the deal. This flow that flows out of me should flow out of each and every one of you. Because it did not start in the pulpit. It started in my private life. So here's part of your purpose, part of, your, part of what God wants you in, part of the revelation that you need to get is that God wants to use your mouth as his mouthpiece. He wants to use you to speak into the lives of other people. He wants you to say things to other people that makes them go, how did they know that? Or makes them go, I don't know how they knew that, but that was so helpful. And then when they say that was so helpful, how did you know that? You go, don't you take the credit. You go, oh, that was God. That was God. That was God. 
So this is what, this is the word and the spirit coming together. Yes, I know the word of God, but I also know my spirit and I speak from my spirit and my spirit allows God to show out. Allows God to show up. Derek's been learning to do this on his job. He's been, you know, he works over at the hospital and he registers people. And and God corrected him because he was looking to get him a job in a back office. And God said, son, I didn't call you there to be in the back office. I called you to be in the front office to be the light onto people. And so Derek has some scriptures and some things that when the Holy Spirit prompts him, he hands them out. And 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 uh, he has people come back to him and say, thank you so much. That was so helpful. He's had people who just break down in tears in their office and say, oh, my God, this is what I needed. Thank you. I was, I was searching God. And he's the one that's got the answer. He had, he, he's had people come send, send cards to the office and say, Derek in the office, man, he was so helpful and he was so sweet and he was so kind and he was so good. What is he doing? He's sharing the love of Christ with people. He's sharing the love of Christ. He's being obedient to do what God told him to do. And he says things out of his mouth, and he, and he goes, why did I say that? I don't know, but it should be helpful. It should be good. This is God. This is the word in him, the spirit in him coming together to reveal the power of God. And this is what every single one of us is supposed to do. Go to uh, Romans chapter 12. I had to pick one verse. Well, the Lord gave me this one verse, but the Lord actually said, uh, really, this whole chapter pertains to your church. Um, and it starts off Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. How much do you know everything that Jesus did, you could not accomplish? He went to the cross because he went to the cross. Not only did he go to the cross, I mean, we wear these crosses around our necks, like, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I, I, this is my reminder of what Jesus did for me. I wonder what the little trinket would look like if it was an image of hell. Because he actually, he, he did so much more for you than just the cross. He actually took your place in hell. What would that look like? A little person in a jail cell and flames everywhere, demons tormenting. Like, what would that look like? Jesus took that place. If you have a cross, I'm not condemning you by any means because it's a good reminder. That's wonderful. Uh, but um, you do need to understand that the, the, the penalty of the cross was the equivalent of our electric chair or the uh, lethal injection. It was reserved for the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst criminals in his day. Um, and so, so remembering that this is what he did for you, it's your reasonable service to, to present your body like he presented his. And when he presented his body to the Father God, he was without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. There was no sin in him anywhere. His thoughts were not sinful. His words were not sinful. His deeds were not sinful. His life was not sinful. It's our reasonable service to present ourselves to him the way he presented his body for our benefit. And we're able to do that because he now lives in us. And be not conformed to this world. <laughs> and be not conformed to this world. Well, Jesus, that's a whole lot easier said than done. He gave you the answer. But be you transformed by the 
renewing of your mind. You get your mind renewed. You wash your brain. You wash your thinking with the word of God. The more time you spend in the word of God, the more your thinking gets in line with him. He said, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, my gosh. Is it that late? Holy moly. Wow. Wow. Not slothful in business. Jump over to, to verse 11. We're not to be slothful in business, but we're to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This is, this is the other part of our vision, that we are not to be slothful. We're not to be slow. We're not to be lazy about the things of God. We are to be fervent. We're to be hot. We're to be excited. We're expected to have a flow. We are supposed to, to everything we do should be in the mind of, I'm here to serve God. I put the basis of our of our ministry in the bulletin, and it can be summed up with these three service with these three statements. We are called to teach people faith in Christ and a true move of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you realize it or not, but I've been talking to you, and I was the whole time I'm thinking, man, let's get. But honestly, I was I was I was lost in the spirit. I honestly, I had no, I had no, I had no understanding of the, of the tough time, not paying any attention. I was just listening to the Lord, just listening to the Lord, just trying to help you to understand this. Whether you realize it or not, you just witness the power of God. You just witness the power of God. I have no notes for today. None. I just said, Lord, I know what you place in my heart. Help me to get it across. Help me to explain it. And obviously we're going to have to talk about it more next week too. Because we didn't get we didn't get nearly as far as we had to get, but we've got to teach our people faith in Christ, how to have faith, what is faith, how to use faith, and a true move of the Holy Spirit. Because some people think, well, as long as the pastor's preaching the word, that's all the Holy Spirit you need. Well, there is a truth that the, that that the preaching of the word, especially by the Spirit, is the Holy Spirit. But that's not all the Holy Spirit there is. Some people believe that, you know, if you have a good praise and worship and you feel the anointing, that that's a move of the Spirit. Well, it is a move of the Spirit, but it's not all that there is. Some people think that you have to run, jump, scream, and shout and dance every single time the Spirit shows up. Well, no, that's not true either. Some people think that if you get over into running, shouting, dancing, and screaming, that you're just in the flesh and you're being excessive, and that's not necessary. Well, here's the reality. It's not necessary unless it's necessary, and sometimes it's necessary. And sometimes, therefore, sometimes the Holy Ghost moves that way. In fact, truth be told, the running, the jumping, the laughing, and the joy is just the entrance into the deeper things of God. Most of the time, you've got to get through that to get into the deeper place. Does that mean that you got to go through that every time? No, but you got to be willing to go there every time. And you got to be willing to go past there every time. There is a place in the spirit where everybody just sits quietly and everybody's afraid to move because you because you can sense the glory of God and you're like, "Oh my gosh, if I move, like lightning's going to strike." Not like you're afraid, but like you can just feel the awesomeness of the presence of God. You just like you're like oh, oh Lord, don't let me do anything to cause this presence to leave. 
There's a place in the spirit where you are just, you're struck dumb. Like you just can't, you just, you want to say something, but you just, you can't express what's happening on the inside. There's a place of excessive joy. There's a place in the spirit of excessive weeping. Usually that has to do when you're, when you're crying out for souls to be saved. Or when the father's grieved. You know, but here's the deal. A true move of the spirit has a lot of different flows. And if your mindset is such that you think unless the spirit moves this way, it's not God, you're wrong. And if you think, oh, unless the, unless the spirit moves this way, then the spirit's not moving, you're wrong. If you think, well, unless I'm running, jumping, and shouting, then the, then, then, then the Holy Spirit's not there, you're wrong. There's a lot of different ways that the Holy Spirit moves. We are called to prepare a people for the calling away of the church and the coming of Christ. Listen, Jesus himself told Reverend Kenneth E. Hagan, he appeared to him in person, and he told him this. He said, many of my own people will not be ready at my coming. I got news for you. You got to come back to, to get a full teaching on it. There are, going to be, there are going to be people that you know today that say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. When the church gets called out, I'm going. And they're going to get left behind because they have active sin in their life. Jesus is not calling away those with active sin in their life. Now, there's mercy and grace for babies that are untaught and uneducated. But if you've had the opportunity to be taught and be educated and you refuse to take advantage of that, I would be very concerned that I'm not going out of here. Well, I just don't believe that's true. I know I'm trying to let go and we've got to pray over Richard. You need to go to Galatians chapter 5. We've taught it before. We'll teach it again and again and again and again and again and again because people need to understand this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You want to, have, you want to get over the high problems with your flesh? Walk in the Spirit. He said, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Listen, if you're looking for every part of you to get in agreement, it will not happen until you bring your flesh under the control of your Spirit. If you are constantly, I want to follow God, I want to follow the flesh, I want to follow God, I want to follow the flesh, you are constantly going to be miserable. You can, your Spirit will never yield to the flesh. The real you, the eternal part of you, will never yield because that part of you belongs to God and God cannot and will not sin. Will not. So if you choose to walk in sin, you will always have a degree of misery in your life. However, the flesh can be taught and trained to come under subjection of the spirit and your flesh can actually learn to like it. Your flesh can learn to like it. I used to like to drink. The idea of drinking now repulses my flesh. I used to like to be a brawler. My flesh is now repulsed at that. I used to have an uncontrolled temper and anger. I am so impressed with myself. Now that sounds crazy right there. 
I am so incredibly impressed with myself because for the first time in probably 20 years, I was confronted with a situation this week that tested every ounce of my flesh, and my anger went through the absolute roof. I imagine my, my face was somewhere between her dress and her shirt red. My great-grandfather used to be called, his temper would flare, and they would call him a red-faced devil. Now, see, I don't get to see this because I'm the one mad at the time. And when you're mad, you're like, here, let me look in the mirror and see just how bad this is. No. So mom saw it, and I asked my later, I looked at mom, uh, and I said, so do you think that's what they meant? She said, oh, I assure you that's exactly what they meant. And I said, oh, oh. I actually experienced the level of whew, that Jesus experienced. It was a good thing I did not have a whip in my hand. It's a really good thing. You know, when he took the whip and he and he and he took the whip to the to, and he was like, people get out and 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 the temple tables went flying. I am not going to lie. I am not going to lie. If you know my house, you know I have that big long walk-in pantry that's open on both ends. And it's got it's got two half shelves of, of, of Tupperware. I was so fit to be tied that the Tupperware went flying. Absolutely went flying through the pantry. And then I turned around and I came over and there was a table and I had just gotten a new end table. So that table had to move anyways. And so I had enough restraint to look at the table and go, yeah, that'll be okay. And I grabbed it and I threw it across my living room. I was so mad. Uh, Pastor, you just got into sin. No, I did not. I did not cuss. I did not tear anybody down. I did not injure anybody. I did not. I did, I did not. I did not. The worst to have, and I did not actually break anything. I did not. This, for me, I went, now I get it, Jesus. But here was the amazing thing. I was not mad about how I was treated. I was mad about how my people in my church had behaved and how it affected the other people in my church. I was furious with anger because my people got mishandled by a fellow Christian, and I was livid beyond measure. But I managed to control my anger. I'm not going to lie. Donald Duck did come out of the grave. Not going to lie, because Tupperware did go flying. But I did not cuss. I did not tear anybody down. I did not injure anybody. You know, because I always wondered, you know, that verse where it says, uh, it's okay to be angry as long as you don't sin. I'm like, what does that look like, Jesus? Especially when, Jesus, you had the whip and you were tossing the temple tables. I now know what that looks like. And you don't want to push the Lord Jesus to that point. I know, we're trying to go. I know, I know, Lord, I know. 
He said, and these are contrary one to another. Your spirit and your flesh are contrary to one another so that you cannot do these things. So you cannot do the things that you would do. In other words, you're not going to get to eat your, have your cake and eat it too. You're not going to get to have the blessings and the goodness of God and the filth and sin of Satan and the good time he provides. Because his good time is only temporary. His good time is only temporary. And his good time comes with a price. And it's a price higher than you're willing to pay. But, verse 18, but if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, I said, the reason we're here is because I said, not every person that says, yep, I'm a believer, I'm saved, I'm headed to heaven, I'm going out of here in the rapture. And I said, not every Christian that says that will go. And here's why. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, Adultery, which is not just sex outside of marriage, but unfaithfulness to God, um, and 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 uh, worship to idols while you worship God, fornication, which is every type of sexual sin you can imagine, uncleanness, and that has to do with all kinds of not being clean, lasciviousness. Go look these words up. Idolatry, witchcraft. That also deals with drug and alcohol use, and uh, manipulating and controlling people. Hatred, variance, emotions, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. So if you if you've got now he's not talking about he's not talking about uh, you're still trying to get you're, you're you're a believer you're still trying to get these things out of your life you're working on these things you are actively working on these things. You made a mistake, you told a lie, and you immediately repented to the person you told a lie to and to God. Like, he's not talking about that person. He's not talking about the person that, that kind of trips along these things and have weakness in these areas. Because I got news for you, not only did, I, not only did my pantry suffer, but mom will testify, but I also immediately went, God, I'm so sorry, I... God, I'm so sorry I lost my temper. I'm so sorry I let my flesh get in control of me. I'm so sorry, Lord. And it was really weird because I didn't have that, like when you repent, you have like that, like you know that you messed up, but I didn't have that. And then I repented again, and I still didn't have that. And I thought, Lord, what am I doing wrong? And he said, and the Lord said, where did you sin? And I went, because... I didn't tear anybody down. I I I didn't I didn't I mean other than the other than the Tupperware went flying and the table went across the living room. Nothing got broken. Like I'm Jesus in the temple table with the whip. Oh okay, you know. So 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 we're not talking about that. We're talking about now. I am upset that that Donald Duck was out of the grave. I, that was not okay. But okay. Um, but this is people that this is habitual lifestyle. They're doing this constantly. And he said, look at this. Look at verse 21. He said, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, colon, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past. So God has told us time and time again, they that which do these things, you're doing these things on purpose, shall not inherit the kingdom of God shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I have found a minimum. We actually taught 11 of verses that say this, and I've actually found a few more since that teaching. Uh, 
So, so when I say we are called to prepare people for the calling away of the church and the coming of Christ, you need to understand that the church is going to get called away, and seven years later, that is when Christ is going to come. And our job is to get people ready for both of those things. Well, don't you want your people ready to go out of here in the rapture? Absolutely, I want them ready to go out of here in the rapture. But if they can't get their flesh under control, they need to know what's coming the next seven years. And we've got, and this is online, it's out there for the whole world to see. We're getting people out there ready because here's the deal. Here's the deal. God's coming back for a spotless, wrinkleless, blemishless church. He's coming back and he's going to call the people up that are living clean. The reason for the seven years is not to punish. The reason for the seven years is to get those people that were not living clean to realize that this is not a game and it's time to get clean. And, and he's giving you seven years to get yourself right, but you don't want to be here during those seven years because those are going to be some very hard seven years. Because Satan, right now Satan's on a chain. During those seven years, he won't be. He won't be. He won't be. So we're getting people ready because getting ready is not simply receiving Christ. Getting ready is getting you to live clean, getting you to serve Christ. And then the third thing is we are to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and send them out to, pro, to preach or proclaim the gospel of Christ. Our job is to raise up disciples. Disciples are students of the Lord Jesus Christ. This uh, disciple is someone who works diligently to become just like the teacher works diligently to become just like the teacher. And when you get to that level, then God says, okay, now I can send you out. Because here's the deal. You can have all the right words in your mouth, but if your life is dirty, you are nothing more than the hypocrite that the people hate. So we've got to get you clean first. And that's another reason for the church. But those are our three principles. That's the same thing, the same reason. And you can go, well, pastor, that's great. That's your vision for the church. No, that's the vision for you. This is your, this is your assignment. My job is like that of the watchman is to stand over the church and say, this is what God wants for you. This is what God wants you to do. God wants you to be ready for the calling away of the church. God wants you to learn faith and a true move of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to become a disciple so that you can go out and declare and preach the word of Christ. This is not my vision. This is God's mandate from heaven, and you all need to catch the same revelation. Does that make sense? Come on, Brother Richard. Let's pray for you. Let's bless you. Well, you got to give me just a little bit of room. i got to get in here. Come on now. Just raise your hands to the Lord, son. Now, Miss Michaela, he's coming to you, and we know this. We know that part of his call is to be a prayer warrior. So Dad may get caught up just in a spirit of prayer, and he might go a long time without food or water. As long as he's in the presence of God, he's going to be okay. Just know that. I don't want you freaking out. We know part of his assignment is God. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're not praying, you don't have to eat. Don't be a stubborn, hardy patootie. Okay, ready? Father, we thank you for Brother Richard. Father, we know that he's going to Houston. We know in part, Father God, is so that he can continue to heal from the homecoming of his wife. But, Lord, we also know that you've called him 
to be a prayer warrior in that area that needs it. We know that geographical locations matter sometimes. I also know, and I pick up and perceive in my spirit, that there'll be people that you'll bring across his path that he'll be able to witness to. There'll be people that he'll be able to speak to Christ about, and that, and that as he does, that healing over that stroke will begin to even take place more and more. And, Father, we know that he's been healed of Parkinson's, and, Father, we thank you that that manifestation continues to grow. And, Father, as I lay my hands upon him, I thank you that you impart into him his assignment and you impart into him everything that he needs to fulfill that assignment. Now, Father, we thank you. Father, speak. Father, we thank you. You just receive. Father, we thank you. We thank you for continuing that healing taking place in his body. Father, that spirit of grief will have no hold in Jesus' name. Father, that hold of Parkinson's is broken and gone. That hold of the stroke is broken and gone. His tongue is loosed. Now, Father, as he goes, think through his mind. Speak through his lips the very oracles of God. Use his tongue as that of the pen of the ready writer. Father God, we anoint his hands with oil to do your work. Father, as you bring sick people across his path, he'll lay hands on the sick, he'll pray for them, and they'll recover in Jesus' name. Oh, Father God, oh, Rande, fire, 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 the fire of God. Now, Father, put, put in him, put in his belly the fire of the Holy Ghost. Father, cause him to feel like there's a fire shut up in his bones. And that if he doesn't spend time with you, Father God, that that fire will just, he'll just say, I just can't do it. I got to go. I got to go pray. I got to go talk to the Lord. I got to go handle some things. And Father, we thank you that you'll bring him and Michaela home. Father, our heart is you bring them home early. That's our heart. Our heart is you bring them home early. But Father, bring him home when his assignment is done. When his assignment is complete, bring him and Michaela both home. Bring her home with a job that she did not think was possible. Bring her home to the place that you've called her. And, Father, we thank you for traveling mercies for them as they travel to Texas, as they travel to Houston. Father, we thank you for your mighty hand. Come on, advisors, lay your hands on him. Come on, lay your hands on him and pray over him. Thank you, Father power of God. Just Y'all just get in here. Y'all just pray over him for just a minute. Father, we send him out like they did in the book of Acts. And Father, it's with joy that we send him. In Jesus' mighty name. In joy, in joy, in joy, in joy. In joy, in joy, in joy, in joy. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Miss Brooke, Miss McKelly, y'all both come up here if y'all don't mind. Don't you, you stay right there. Come here, girls. Yeah, let's bring that too. Y'all both have an assignment as well. So I just want to pray over you. Just pray over you. Just lift your hands and receive. Father, I thank you for Miss Brooke. I lay my hands upon her. Father, I thank you that she'll have the words to speak to those uh, those that live near her, that she'll have the words to speak that'll shift and change their life, that'll cause them to move from darkness into a great light. Father, I thank you that, that she'll be able 
to stand in this hour in this time where her when while her dad is gone and Michaela is gone that she'll be able to stand and accomplish all that you've assigned her to do that she'll do it with peace that she'll do it with joy that she'll do it with grace that she'll not have any father they'll not that grief will not grab her either but father there'll be a new joy because the family has a new assignment joy 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 father that joy that you placed down in her just a few months ago coming to the surface and i thank you for it in jesus mighty name miss mckayla Mealy, just just receive from god i know you're new to all this but it's okay i promise father we thank you father i thank you for miss mckayla father i thank you Father, I thank you that she's been willing to take her daddy in. I thank you that she's been willing to make adjustments to her single life. And, Father, I thank you that she is taking on her assignment, a young Christian, a young believer, stepping into the things that you've called her to. Father, we know that this is going to be a different walk. This is going to be a different thing. It's going to be different than she can even imagine. And, Father, I know, I know by the Spirit she's going to come home days and there's going to be the glory of God's going to be in her apartment because dad's been praying. And, Father, let it be a blessing and not a concern to her. Father, we just bless her and we anoint her. We anoint her head with oil. We bless her and we anoint her with the blood of Jesus. Father, strengthen her. Equip her for the days, the months, and the years ahead. Father, set her feet upon the path that you have for her. Equip her and give her the strength and the ability to stand. Father, give her the strength and the ability to walk in this new season. And, Father, bless her beyond measure with joy unspeakable and a new level of life. And, Father, we know it's her heart to come close to home. And, Father, we know, we understand there's some things that have got to line up to get in that position. So, Father, we send the angels out. We, send, we charge the angels to go before her and to cause favor in every area, favor in her finances, debts being canceled, debts being reduced, income coming from unexpected places, student loans and debts being paid off supernaturally. Father, we thank you. So I'm going to sound like a strange question, but I'm not trying to get up in your business. Are you believing for a husband? Okay. Okay. I just threw it out there. Okay. Well, we're going to pray. Father, I just heard the word husband, husband, husband. I didn't want to pray for it if she didn't want it. So, but, Lord, we thank you that you are preparing her for her husband, and you are preparing him for her. Father, a, hus a man that knows the love of Christ, a man that knows how to love her with the love of Christ, a man that knows how to lead and yet receive the help of a helpmate. Father, we thank you that you're pushing, that you're, that you're positioning this man into her life. And Father, now one thing that I know from my years of experience is the first one that comes is usually not him. So Father... <laughs> So, Father, place a guard and a witness in her spirit that she would know that she knows that she knows when it's the right one, and she'll have a red flag and alarm that'll go off when it's not the right one, and she'll be quick to surrender to those sirens, quick to surrender to those alarms, quick to surrender and say, that's not the one for me, and therefore, Lord, I'll be willing to wait. And, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that you're preparing him just for her, just right in the right season and the right time in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. amen. Glory to God.
Glory to God. Brother Richard, there's a little something in there because we just love you and we want you to think of us when you're spending time with Jesus. And then here's a prayer journal for you. We've all written you a note so you know that we love you and our prayers are with you. When you're praying and you're talking to God and he says something to you, write it down so you don't forget it. Even I have to do this. And so there's a thing for you to get started on that because we know part of your assignment is a prayer journal. We love you so much, sir. And we look forward to your homecoming. Absolutely. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Miss Michaela. We love you. We count you as family. Absolutely. Well, glory to God. We send them out. Safety and provision. No rain in the way on their drive in Jesus' name. No rain in the way. Now, listen, I know how to speak over the rain. So we command that rain to get out of your roadways, that it will not interfere, it will not cause any issues, that you all have traveling mercies all the way from here, all the way home to Houston. And Yeah, disobedient rain, I don't listen to you. And, uh, Father, we thank you that their pathways are cleared. There will be no accidents, near accidents, skids. They'll have wide open spaces in front of them, behind them, on either side of them, that the rain will not hinder their view or their traction in any way, shape, or form. And, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Now, you listen to me. When you drive, if the rain shows up, you say out of your mouth, you foul, disobedient rain. The pastor said you cannot interfere with us. You go in Jesus' name and watch God work. Be bold. Be bold. Glory to God. Well, if uh, Derek and Brianna will come, we're going to take up our tithes and offerings. Um, I try to get you out of here at noon, but when the Lord says uh, do some things, we're going to do some things. Uh, so praise the Lord. I do have a tithe and an offering somewhere. There it is. Glory to God. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Is there something else? Is there anything else? Is there anything else, Lord? Miss Patty, has your sugar been normal? Is it still working? It's better, but it's still not normal yet. Kind of, sort of. Huh? Huh? It's better. It could go a little lower. That's what I heard. The, I heard. I, I heard. I, I heard your name, and I heard the Lord say blood sugar. That's why I asked. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. Let's. Well, we're gonna make it come down. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, you know we've been praying for Miss Patty. We know that, Father God, you supernaturally took care of her through the heart procedure. And, and that, Father, you've been bringing that sugar to down. And it's much, much better. But, Father, we speak to the sugar in her body right now. And we command it to come into the perfect level. Come in line with the Creator's original design in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, we thank you that her healing is complete. We thank you that her healing is, is, is just I mean, it's supernatural, complete. Even the doctors are shocked and amazed. And, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, as we lay our, hand, or as we lay our hands to sow the seed of the tithe and the offering, Father, we thank you that you bless it and you cause increase to come. We tell Satan to take his grubby, nasty little hands off of our increase in every area of our life. Release everything that you've stolen plus the sevenfold return. Father, we thank you, and we dispatch the angels to go and cause prosperity in every area of life to come. In Jesus' mighty name, and we thank you that the word is working and the word is true. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Derek, I'm going to hang you up here upside down by your feet so we can have the flag. <laughs> I'm sorry, his shoes are amazing. He's got the he's got the U.S. flags on his feet. We'll just hang him upside down, and we, you know, then we got the flag. 
They were like, wait, what? We were still praying. You left yours at home? Well, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Let's hang y'all up here. I guess we ought to just hang your shoes and not you personally. All right. Uh, Wednesday, Liv will be here. She will not bail. And we will lay hands on her and send her off to college on Wednesday. So we do love you and we dismiss you. Go get food. Go get rest. We'll be back for a prayer at 530. 530 prayer. 530, not 5.